Hello and welcome to The Ear. I'm your host, Jordan Allen, and today we're going to be talking about something that I am not very familiar about, and that is football. I do know that Colombia isn't known for being good at football, and yet the talk of the town is that that may not be true anymore. This weekend was homecoming, and people have been talking about it a lot. <laughs> people went to the game, which is the largest crowd to go to a Columbia football game since 2003. Boy, was that a long time ago. I don't remember it even. I'm so young. But I do think it's fair to assume that we wouldn't be talking about Columbia football being 5-0 without some major apocalyptic event occurring. But against all odds, the team has made it here. Yeah! Uh, so today we are sitting down with Austin Horn and Christopher Lopez, who have been at the front lines of Spectator's sports section for the past year. So first, I want to ask you, Austin, you covered the team last year a lot, right? So are you surprised at how the team has changed from last year to this year? I would say a lot of people on campus are surprised, but those who were close with the program, even though this team was only three and seven last year, it was still a year of a lot of firsts. You had the first homecoming win since 2000 against Dartmouth. It was ugly, but we did it. And honestly, like... It was the best football that a lot of people had seen in a long time. Just talking to alums, like, Columbia football was back for all intents and purposes. Those people aren't really surprised. So where do you think this shock is coming from? The shock is coming from, there's such an ingrained tradition of Columbia football is a joke. Not even like the butt of a joke. It is a joke in and of itself. Again on the battlefield of that great tradition where we find a student from Columbia University and then we're going to ask him a very simple question. Here it is. Why does Columbia always lose? I don't know. I'm a freshman and that course isn't offered till junior year. I am no football historian here, but I would say it's like it goes as far back as... as you know, when the band started, I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but the band has always been this comedic force. And football just, I mean, it hasn't won an Ivy title since 1961. So I would say the two major moments there are in the late 80s when we lost, I believe it was 45 games in a row. And yeah, yeah. And then recently we just broke, in Bagnoli's first season, we broke a win streak, or a losing streak, pardon me, against Wagner. That was 24 or 25. It's been par for the course for us. And this is just, this is a bizarre thing for people who aren't really privy to how much more talented this team is. It just seems like an anomaly. Chris, you covered the team this year. What's been the major difference for you? I've mentioned this to, to people who ask me the same question. I, I really think it's the attitude and the work ethic. 
of this team and, and sort of how they can rally around the idea of being good. And I think that that motivates them a lot. Why this team? I think this year's team is like the perfect combination of senior leadership and underclassmen who are extremely talented. And so the first recruiting class for Al Bagnoli was very hastily put together. He didn't really have a chance to form a recruiting class with a full recruiting schedule because he was hired relatively late into the recruiting season. And so... And what is late into the recruiting late season? Late is a... He was hired in February. Recruiting season is usually a year-round thing that starts in November, December. And so not only did he have to sort of adjust to being at Columbia, but he also had to adjust to that recruitment schedule. And so his first recruiting class was good, but it wasn't as good as his second recruiting class, which was an unbelievable class, which was ranked as high as second in the entire Division I football championship series, which is sort of like one step below your Alabama's, Michigan's, and those things that the Ivy League is in. The fact that Columbia is is getting all these accolades is completely new. The, the one thing that carried over a lot from last year from that 3-7 and seven team was special teams. So kicker Oren Milstein, who happens to be a sophomore, has been very, very, very good for the team, and he's delivered in the clutch when it's mattered. So this year's win over Wagner was a three-point victory to open the season, and Milstein hit the game-winning field goal. They call him Money Milstein, and he's really lived up to that name this year. Please, please tell me more about that. Well, he's got a propensity for hitting very clutch field goals, but the difference is, is that this year he's not the only offense. In the past, you'd see a lot of games that ended 9-7 to seven or 15-13. to 13, well, where, where does the money come in? Well, the money is that he delivers when it matters. He cashes He's in. money. He just cashes in. I'm just surprised that it's happened this early. Mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling it would take a few more seasons before they really started excelling. But until it's like the sophomores were Yeah, until the sophomores maybe were juniors or seniors. Because they contributed a lot last year as first years, which is rare in the Ivy League. But even this year, you see that it's really an underclassman-driven team. But this year, it really seems like they are going to not only, you know, do well this year, but in the future, it looks like they've really built a program. And that's why alumni are so excited. And it really seems as if, you know, homecoming is just sort of a small case study into what will appear to be a trend going forward for football. And now can we just like go to homecoming? I want to hear about your experience, what it felt to be there. The environment, the energy, every just give me give a picture to those who weren't able to come so that they could feel like they were there. It's my first full season covering football, and so I've actually really never, you know, been like completely around the team when they didn't do well. But when I was a student, my my first homecoming game was against Penn also. Um, Columbia scored the first touchdown of the game. They were up 7-0, and everybody was taking pictures of the scoreboard. By halftime, it was something like 21 or 28 to 7. Penn was in front, and they ended up winning the game 42 to 7. Penn did. So it was a little demoralizing because everybody sort of left at halftime, and we're like, we fully expect that Columbia will lose this game. Now, what was cool about this season is Columbia was down in the game. I was up in the press box doing our our live blog that we normally do. The feeling in the press box was, you know, yeah, they're down, but they have a propensity maybe to come back. I think the biggest thing was you just had this sort of optimism that surrounded the team, and you can tell that the guys on the sideline were really into it. And eventually when Columbia made the comeback and took the lead, 
everyone was still in the stands. And that's another Columbia first down. saw everybody run onto the field, um, they were celebrating and shouting, and it, it was like this new state school vibe that you just don't see at a place like Columbia. Um, we're so accustomed to your Pens and your Princetons and your Harvards dominating every sport, but this year, finally, it seems as if Columbia has joined the fold in football, which, as the revenue driver of athletics, obviously attracts sort of the most attention. And I think that it's been incredibly positive covering football just given the excitement that's going on, not only in New York City, but you know, for alumni across uh, the rest of the country and, and in the world, who have longed to, for the day to see Columbia football be good. Yeah, and this might seem like something of a surprise or, or sort of just a quick jolt when you look at like you know a chart of the records, but this is a long time coming. When we hired our new athletic director, or I guess he's not really new anymore, Peter Pilling, it was around January of 2015, I believe. Yeah. He had Bagnoli in his back pocket. That was something, when, when he was hired, part of his selling point was, I'll get us a really good football coach. And from that very moment, 2015, it's been building up to eventually this season. They weren't sure if it was going to be this season, next season, the one after. As Chris was saying, he's a little surprised that is happening this year. And I want to go back to your own experience of being sports writers and what these kind of moments mean to you, what you get out of them, what you try to give to your articles. And I don't really know the situation around like if other publications are also covering these games, but how you look to those as well. I think that there's been a lot of really interesting storylines around football this year that aren't necessarily related to their record. We reported on kneeling happening yeah. and how that's sort of a national story and we saw some Columbia football players kneel during the national anthem during the Marist game and that was really interesting because that is such a national story and it's such an it's a story of such national importance even today on the day that we're recording this NFL owners are meeting to decide what they're going to do in light of President Trump's most recent comments mm-hmm. about protesting for the anthem and the fact that Columbia is, you know, a, this beacon of free speech and they're involved in this speaks volumes about football's role in, you know, Columbia being bolted to the forefront of the national spotlight. So, yeah, what do you see for the future of this team? I mean, they have a huge three-game stretch coming up. At Dartmouth, who surprisingly is also undefeated and is leading the Ivy League along with Columbia, that's going to be a, a tremendously difficult game. That road trip is extremely long up to New Hampshire. So that'll, that'll show really, you know, if Columbia can win that game, you've got to feel like they're really arrived. I learned so many things during this. So thank you so much for coming on the ear and exploring homecoming and the future of the football team with us. Thank you so much for having us. And yeah, thanks again.
Well, that's all for the year. This time, I want to thank Austin Horn and Christopher Lopez again for coming on the show. Uh, also to Jake Arlo for her incredible and amazing technical management. Uh, also to Rebecca Seye for being the eye manager and leader of everything that I do and love. To Coleman Hughes, who created our lovely theme song. Also to Christopher Lopez for the music that is throughout this episode. And finally, thank you to The Eye for making this happen and possible. And make sure to check out our latest uh, issue of The Eye and read all of our wonderful articles. That's all. Have a good night.